Hey, it's Naughty. And I'm the Teach, and welcome to Naughty and the Teach. This week, we are your compassionate black hotties because we are diving into the human condition, and we want to handle you, our listeners, with care. Yeah, it is a very complex discussion that we're going to have, and we're going to talk about certain aspects of human condition. I just want to say right off the bat that the human condition or the discussion that we're going to have is a very vast topic. It's not like we can cover it in just one episode or cover all aspects of the human condition. So just keep that in mind. And this is the perfect episode, you know, to continue the conversation with us on Instagram at, at, at Naughty in the Teach or at the Teach NYC or at Naughty Flower because then we can bring that conversation that we have um, in the DMs or in the comments into the next episode. And we want to start off by thanking the people who reached out to us in our DMs. We appreciate you. We definitely like that you've taken the the challenge from last week and reached out to us to have further discussions. So please keep that up. We're going to encourage you to do that as much as you can. And we definitely want to hear from all of you who are listening. Yes, we do. Thank you for doing the homework. So let's, <laughs> let's start off by popping off. So we have some interesting topics. One more is I think is comical. Oh, wait. Sorry, first we have to do our moments of silence. Oh, at the end? Okay. Yeah, Sorry, we, we definitely want to acknowledge some people who we lost um, this past couple of weeks, but we're going to do that at the end. Give them their real moment, give them that real time, so we'll do that at the end. Okay. Um, but yes, let's pop off with our two topics uh, around current events and pop mm-hmm. culture. So the first thing, as usual, the teach is the courtroom reporter. And I wanted to talk about two high-profile cases um, that has come to a close, Um, though two being one, Dante Wright um, was murdered um, when an officer had mistook her taser for her her service weapon and used her service weapon when she was trying to stop an unarmed man at a traffic stop. Um, I don't know how you make that mistake, um, especially with how many years of service that you're in the force. But the mistake was made uh, at the end of the day, a person lost their life. And that's the thing that we want to keep in mind. And that finally the trial happened. She was found guilty. Uh, The officer, Kim Potter, Mm -hmm. was found guilty of, you know, I'm not sure what exactly the what it was, but. But she was found guilty. And, you know, it's good to see that these situations are having real real world consequences because, you know, it's getting to be really disheartening to see these things happen. Mistakes that are being made and people are losing their lives at lives and people are just getting off without any real consequences. Yes. And, you know, even though like the consequence of her going to prison doesn't, you know, change anything. I, I don't know if it's supposed to be hopeful, but it, at least there's a punishment, you know, when for so long there hasn't been. Yeah. And the other uh, high profile case was the Ahmad Aubrey trial where he was murdered while he was jogging through a neighborhood by people who mistook him for a, an, a possible home invader, intruder or robber or whatever. Um, Those people were also, they were retired police officers, so it's all in the same vein. Which then just talks about the state of law enforcement and how they see specific types of individuals. 
it can be a, uh, it definitely should be uh, something that we look at when we talk about training of officers. Mm -hmm. If you are just a retired officer and you spent your whole career as a police officer and you can't identify a threat or you think that specific types of people are threats while they're just jogging, I do also want to say that, you know, jogging and in jogging clothes, it's not really possible to do a lot of stealing from a house. I'm not sure where he was but putting these items of a house still, that was still being um, constructed, but they felt that they needed to confront this man, which led to his death. As a retired officer, you know, you would think that these people would know the law, at least in some aspect, even though they don't have to study it. You know, they they knew how to call the police. They would have known the like the. There were there, if they wanted to act like police officers, there were so many other things they could have done. You know, they could have even done a citizen's arrest. They could have stopped and just asked him questions. They didn't have to. They didn't have to kill him. So they didn't have to kill Maude Arbery. So there. But it the the way that they reacted and acted in the situation just it shows the kind of training they had and the bias that's put into the training and just the bias of them as people. And the. And the, the and the. Um, and how they abuse their authority. The uh, uh, sentencing for them was life in prison. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's hopeful that there are consequences for actions when people are being, being killed. To, not to talk about this too, too much, but I just want to put it into a perspective of understanding that one person lost their life at a routine traffic stop, and another one lost their life as they were jogging and trying to stay healthy and keep themselves in shape. These are the incidents in which they were participating in for them to have lost their life. So, you know, you may feel one way or the other, but we still have to take into account that people lost their lives while doing routine things that everybody should have the right to do without harm, fear of being killed, or actually being killed. It shouldn't be a privilege to live your life yes and that is so that's just my courtroom update i am going to i hope i might i might have to have a lot of courtroom segments in which we talk about it but that was pretty heavy to start let's pop off to something different something a little bit more funny a little bit lighter you know where uh you know if you're on the gram you know you've probably seen uh champagne poppy and how an instagram model is who is unnamed at this point is suing him because um, he burned her vagina. He did not do it, you know, purposefully. They had, she made it a point even in her accusation to say that they had consensual sex and he made sure throughout the night that every, every step of the way it was consensual. So I guess kudos to Drake, I guess. Um, but he, after they had sex, he came in a condom and he uh, disposed of it in the bathroom and before dis or while disposing of it, he put hot sauce in the condom. So um, a little while after they had sex, you know, uh, this Instagram model went into the bathroom and thinking that she was going to um, get one over on Drake. She um, put she tried to get put the semen <laughs> in her toto or vagina oh and it the hot sauce burned her. And if you know, you've if you've ever um had oral sex performed on you after someone eats something spicy, even something like calm, like hot Cheetos, that shit fucking burns. Um, 
and it stays on you for a while, even, you know, after washing yourself with soap and water, it burns. It's almost like when you get soap um, inside of you. So she was tight. Drake was laughing. And yeah. We're all laughing. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know even where to start with this. Let's just start off by saying shout outs to Drake. Drake got a new special blend of hot sauce. We're going to call it Drake's hot sauce blend. Yeah. Um, it's not something you want to eat, but he has given a lot of us ideas in which ways in which we can help to prevent ourselves in consensual situations. Now, I think this is the part that gets You only funny. have to do that if You're you famous. got some money. Oh, yeah, oh, no, yeah for if sure. You some, if, 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 you are, if you are broke, steal sperm from no my one is trying to take, no one, nobody wants your sperm. Yeah. You got to have you got to be in a certain tax bracket for but, someone to do that to someone take the turkey baster and impregnate themselves. I think the 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 interesting part is that he he had the knowledge to know like hey, I have to do this. I'm not sure if this is the first time. I'm not sure if something gave him this inclination that yo, this is how I have to roll or it's just it's it's just smart moves if you're not trying to do that. Now, she is suing him, which I am not sure what the basis of a lawsuit is because she went and fished, if I'm right, yes. she fished the condom out of the trash can and then inserted the sperm that was deposited in the condom inside her vagina. Yes. So I don't know what. OK. I don't. And but the, that's the other thing. So like she made it a point. <laughs> she said that everything was consensual and she described and she's and she made it a point to say that he kept checking in. So why would like you're the one who broke the consent? He did not consent for his semen to go inside of you. If he did, then you wouldn't have used the condom in the first place. You know, I also feel like Drake, that's a waste of hot sauce. Get a biohazard box. I, I, I don't. I just. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like get a biohazard just box. Just drop, drop it in the biohazard box yes. so that way. And if you've ever had to get, if you ever had to um, give yourself heparin shots, they give you a biohazard box. So they definitely, they definitely sell them. I, I mean, I'm taking your word for it because I yeah. don't know. But I do know that it's easier for me to transport hot sauce. <laughs> put on my I mean, discarded semen yeah, so that yes. way yeah i just it'd be that one night you forget the hot sauce and like damn yo if i had a biohazard box i mean it also could be the one that i could just say no <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean like i don't you know we don't have to engage in these activities especially if we're not worried now you also have to understand you don't really know the person that you're engaged with he thought he might have known her but it's either he knew that she was going to do this and put hot sauce or he didn't know and he had to protect himself. I think that he's burned a lot of totos and she's just the first one to try to sue him. Because why would you admit to that? If if that happened to me, they do anything I'm, for taking, they I'm do anything taking for the L to the grave. I, I might say something to Drake like, damn, my nigga, but I would not. I mean, you go and look a man in his face and be like, yo, my man's I fished your condom. Out of the trash can. Take him to the doctor. Yes, I'm going to have to at that point. But you did it to yourself. I understand that, but I would like him to drop me off at the doctor. But you did it to yourself. I know. If I I took the L. I'm, I'm, I get taking the L, but even in this situation with this model, she chose. I like, it wasn't that she had to do it. It wasn't like he asked her to do it. She made this decision so she should live with the consequences. No. She's still living with the consequences if she's asking to go to the doctor. But she, no, but hold on, hold on. But is it Drake's responsibility or anybody's responsibility it's not in that responsibility, situation? But you might as well ask. I get asking, but then you also can be accepting of them laughing in your face because you chose. Because what you did was sneaky 
and dis- deliberate and spiteful on so many levels. It is. You wanted to come up. You wanted a payday. Maybe you wanted a Tristan Thompson 75000 for an abortion. I don't know. It's whatever it might be. But she chose to be like, yo, I'm going to get Drake on a, in, in some way. I'm going to have his baby, maybe get child support. I'm going to, you know, maybe use this to, to, to parlay some money out of him. I, I agree with you. But if if you're if you're if you're the kind of person who's going to fish a condom out, I feel like you're brave enough to say, listen, I know I am duplicitous, but can you take me to the doctor? We also want to talk about that. I don't even the fact that she did all of this is one thing. It's then the fact that she posted or somebody posted about this for this story to be known. And uh, I think Drake responded, yes? Yes, Drake responded, and he posted um, two two pictures. One picture, the caption said, um, you have to fake it till you make it, but you have to make it first. And then the second picture said, I'm going to let you have your 15 minutes of fame, and I'm going to have my 23 hours and 45 minutes. So he's like, he's acknowledging that, you know, because... This lawsuit, it seems like she's the he's the person that would have been wronged because she would have been stealing his sperm. Granted, I don't necessarily I don't know because if it's gar if he threw it in the garbage, he he's it's no longer his property. What? That's no, that's a legal thing. Uh, I, maybe maybe that's the case. But what we're talking about is no, we're what, overlooking the fact that she deliberately tried to do something. I'm, I'm not. But what I'm what I'm saying is. I think that he's laughing at her because not only she did she deliberately take the semen, she also deliberately had a lawsuit and publicized it so that that would make her famous. You know, because if her taking the sperm her, and her hurting herself, nobody would have known had she not told the story, had she not sued him. So that is how she's getting the clout and the fame by further embarrassing herself, you know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's not even worth the court fees, sis. I, I, I mean, but either way, fees. she's part of a discussion that we're having now that people are having, whether she's in on the joke or she is the joke. We are talking about her. Yeah. So the clout true. comes from that. Yes, it might be 15. And like Naughty told me earlier, the 23 hours and 45 minutes is a bar. It is. That's a bar. A bar. That's, that's it. You get bar. your 15 minutes. I got the rest of the day. Yeah, that's kudos to Drake for that. Um, anything else we want to say about Drake's special hot sauce blend? Um, well, if you're going to fuck Drake, make sure you put some spices on your toto before you get there. I don't know. To add to the hot sauce? I, I mean, know. maybe it was flavorless. I don't know. That's what I keep thinking. About. I mean, listen, just I think the only advice I would say is just don't fish condoms out of yeah, and then it's like you wherever could, and try you to insert it in your, your vagina. There. So she has clout, but we don't know who she is. I mean, to keep it a whole hundred, you could look up somebody's lawsuit depending on where it is. If it's public, it'll be public. Freedom her of information. Might, her mate, her name might be redacted. It depends on what the situation is. Yeah. Um. So we'll we'll see. I mean, I think if you posting about it, if she if this doesn't work out, she'll probably come out and do an interview and yeah. reveal herself. Regardless, she if it was done for clout, she is going to do everything to get that fifteen minutes and prolong that fifteen minutes as much as she can. So, we'll we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. All right. I never thought I would be talking about someone's photo like this. I just never. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's a thing. You just don't think it's a thing. I don't know. You like just the last time I've seen something like this was when um was like in 2007 on the game when uh what one of the 
models tried to trap Derwin by sucking his sperm out of a condom with a turkey baster and impregnating herself. And I thought that Did was it wild. Work? Yeah, it worked. Mm. I thought that was wild. I was like, why would who goes through so much effort? People apparently they want that. Yeah. Listen, a quick you could get a job and work hard, or I guess you can get a ball player, a rapper, somebody get or somebody with money. They impregnate you and you live a certain type of lifestyle. Everybody has their hustles. I I don't know. I don't understand it. I hope that if I ever do become famous, I'm really smart or careful. I'm, I'm not, married by then and I don't have to worry about that. I'm not going to let any of y'all <laughs> trap my friend to teach. Okay? Just don't be out here, no. you know, just having wayward sex with people and having them I'll use. The <laughs> y'all heard that. <laughs> <laughs> she tried to cover the mic. It was like, hey, no, no. watch out. <laughs> All right, so let's let's wrap that up. Let's now go. <laughs> no pun intended. Literally wrap it up. Um, let's now go to our main topic, um, the digging deep, which we're talking about the human condition. And I know you heard us mention this a couple of times. So we're going to talk about what the human condition is. We're going to give you the vast examples of the human condition, but we're going to focus on specific aspects of that of the human condition. So let's just start off by having a little discussion on what we mean by the human condition. The human condition can be described in many ways in relation to other people and how you may or may not affect them, as well as how you maintain yourself as a healthy person. If we're looking at the definition of the human condition, the human condition is the characteristics of human existence, including thought, emotion, and behavior at the system, social, and individual levels. So we're looking at you as a person and everything that you do. The human condition is defined as the positive or negative aspects of being human, such as birth, growth, reproduction, love, and death. Now, for the most part, those are the things that are pretty much inevitable in, hum in humanity. People are born, they grow, developmentally physically they, they grow, grow yeah. they may not grow emotionally they may not grow mentally but they do grow humans reproduce they love and they die what we do in between the inevitable birth and death defines us and there in the middle we find the makings of stories that will be carried on for generations to come simply part of being a person and what we do in our lives and that is the aspect that we're going to explore, the in-between, the inevitability of what life is. So uh, we are going to explore this in this, uh, on, in this episode. There are so many levels to the human condition that it is almost virtually impossible to cover. But we're going to do it. Yes, we are going to do what we can, bit by bit. Think of it like this. We are really trying to talk about life, the meaning, and how we make it worth it. And there are, but there are so many layers to it. So in order to try to keep it simple, we're going to focus on specific aspects of it. And we have definitions so that we, you know, not we, but you guys can understand where we're coming from in our jumping off point at every, every step of the way. So admittedly, the concept of trying to talk about the human condition is overwhelming. We got exhausted in trying to figure out how we, how, how do we put, so, so, so much of, of this into this podcast, into this episode, it felt like we were searching for the meaning of life. 
Yes. Seriously, that's what it felt like. I when I I met up with Naughty, I had this whole stack of papers. It was overwhelming. <laughs> it was overwhelming. It was so much paper. Everything was like stapled. I was like, and then it, it was it, highlighted. It was there circled. was highlighted, <laughs> and then it was like legitimately like size eight font, and it was like forty pages worth of just information. And I was look, I was looking at him like. It was like, and he was looking at me, and I'm, he was like, "Is this too much?" And I said, <laughs> "Yes, the like, fuck yes, it's it too is. Much. <laughs> yes, the fuck it is. You okay?" I and, wanted to do it justice. Um, and and he did. He, you know, the um, we did, we, we did. did. Yeah, no, but we we came from two separate places of how we wanted to do human condition, and you know, it took a lot of work to settle on, or not to settle, but to get to where we are. It took a lot of like, t- even with us discussing what aspects we want to talk about and how we want to talk about it, which is why we came up and why we found and chose definitions to start off because it was a lot for us to even to just to start off with, you know? Yeah. So the aspects that we're going to try to focus on today are society and everything that comes with society, living in a society, the community aspect of living in a society, the culture that comes from wherever you might live, whether it's in your community, whether it's the society in general, and the social needs that come from living and being a part of society. We're going to focus on growth and how one grows. And we don't mean the physical growth of how you start off as a child and how you end up becoming an adult. No, that's (laughs) inevitable. We know that that's already perceived in this conversation. But we're going to talk about growth and how one can possibly change. But in order to talk about growth and change, we have to talk about control, lack of control or complete control and the obstacles that come with us in order to try to for us to try to find that balance in life for us to make that growth, that change, whatever we're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. So let's perfectly sorry. (laughs) Let's start off by talking about society. And when we talk about society and every time we introduce a new concept, we're going to talk about, I'm sorry, we're going to give the definition. Just so you understand the definition that we are going off of when we have this discussion. So let's start off with society. Do you want to start? Sure. So our definition, um, society, uh, our definition of society is that society refers to people living in a social order. And, and to keep in mind, that's a simplified definition yes, of society. Kept, this one we kept very simple. Um, because we're going to start with individuals in a society and or we're going to talk about our relationship, like people's in, sorry. See, look, that's why we had to do a whole thing. Yeah. About how the individual relates to the everyone in their society. And then we're going to get a little bit more minute as we go along. Yeah. So, and then we're going to focus on how people operate in society to help it function and how people interact with each other in the different ways. And then when we talk about the different ways people interact, we mean at work, romantically, platonically, familiarly, familiarly, when you talk about your families, familial, familial? Fam- yeah, familiar. Yes. Mm-hmm. On all the ways. <laughs> so I guess let's start off by asking the question, how do individuals affect society and vice versa? You yeah, want to? Yeah, yeah. Sure, why not? Let's get crazy. I think, you know, a group of individuals create the society, but, um, you know, as you get, into bigger and bigger areas you know there's you know there's um like different subsections of a society so there's you know uh like 
we live in like a Western society, but then in, within that, there's America. Within that, we are in New York. We are in New York City, which could be considered liberal. I guess some people will push back on that because some people feel like New York is faux liberal, but that's for another day. That's why I said I guess. Um, <laughs> you know, and even like we both uh, we live in the same borough, but in two very different places, but two very different cultures, and I think like even in even in that, you know it's obvious we come from different places in the city just because of how we dress and how we act. You know, the our neighborhood society, our, our community makes us so different. Are you saying my Pelly Pelly and Helly Hansen is giving me away? Um, I mean, it's your kind of Pelly Pelly because, you know, the uh. Pelly Pelly's we've been wearing, where I'm from, they, they are black, you know, with the very, you know, Pastel etching, you're you're kind of white Pelly Pelly kind of guy. I keep it simple. Yeah, <laughs> I don't wear Pelly Pelly. I'm just kidding. Or Helly Hansen. That's that was there was a time and an error for that. That that time and error passed. You didn't think I would know that. I, I knew you would. I yeah. mean, you live in New York. That was definitely a thing for a while. Um, yeah. So I I agree with you. I think that when you we look at it as an individual, the societal aspect comes. But I don't think the society is just the it's just the macro of it. When you Zoom in a little bit more. We want to look at the community that we live in. And we live in two different communities. And things that are acceptable in my community may not be acceptable in your community. Things that are common. um, Things that are... And and the community changes as the people, different people move into the community. For example, we live in New York City. We have um, homeless people. Some people understand like, hey, the homeless people, it's not like they're choosing to be homeless. It's just the way it is. But as the community changes, the app, the the empathy towards the homeless may change. Um, some of us may feel, hey, we need to help the, the the homeless people, and some of us feel, hey, we shouldn't help the homeless people because they're changing the community. They're bringing the community. They're bringing a bad element into yes. the community. Sometimes you can't help the homeless people because then bad things may happen to them based on the support that you may give them. So. When we look at the community, and it's not just that, it's also what is culturally around. We live in neighborhoods that have a heavy influence of people of color. And that, the, the food that's available, you can get some good food depending on who's there and who can make the food and yes. if it's authentic or true to that culture. The culture can also be just how pick up basketball games. That could be part of the culture of the community. Um, Playing football in the street, which is something that we used to do a lot where we would just move out of the way if cars were coming. But those were part of the culture and the community. Now, sometimes you can't do those types of things in a community because of environmental factors. Maybe there's a huge pothole that was never fixed in the middle. There's open manhole covers. There's that leaky hydrant that once it got turned on in the summer, never got turned off in the winter. And so, you know, it's just a constant leaking of, am I going to step in a puddle or am I going to die on black ice? Yeah. and (laughs) (laughs) But your community is not just uh, the neighborhood. It's also the people in the neighborhood, your family. Your blood family, you're not blood family. You know, the people, you, you all know what I'm talking about. That uncle who's not really related to you, but they were around for most of your life, so you just consider them family. Your friends, even your coworkers. And your coworkers is your work community. 
when you whether you li- work in the same area you live or a different area, that's still part of the community that you're a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see yourself reflected in your community? That is a question that a lot of us ask. Do you feel like in your community, in the area that you live in and in your work community, do you feel like you are reflected in that community? In my work community, not so much, but the there's p- certain some of my coworkers, we are trying to change that within our work community so that we we can be more comfortable. In my neighborhood community, um, gentrification is really taking over the neighborhood, and I'm seeing less and less of myself in my neighborhood. And honestly, if I hadn't lived there as long as I did, I would not be in my neighborhood. Um, And, you know, I feel like through... um, Throughout my life, I've seen gentrification come in waves. And right now, it's one of the biggest waves where things are drastically changing. And, um, and like, community spots that were there forever are completely gone. And um, some of it, I think, is good. And I don't think they're not – they're changing the community to make it safer – um, like just environmentally and then other things it's like you're taking out like you're uh, like you're it's like an abuse of power where you're taking out restaurants that have been there since the 70s and you know it's and you're just like erasing whole communities especially like I'm from the Lower East Side so Lower East Side which was a big Puerto Rican block and a whole lot of restaurants are just they're being taken out because of crazy ridiculous um rent increases so the neighborhood is reflecting people who don't necessarily stay there yeah new york real estate (laughs) that's a story for another day but new york real estate and rent increases is a way to get rid of the old stalwarts of communities of 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 neighborhoods in order to replace them with more people who will come and change the whole dynamics of the neighborhood i think for me though I knew when I moved and I bought the place that I live in that I was not the dominant uh, race in my neighborhood. But that's okay. And I knew coming in like, hey, this is what I am. This is what's going to be. I'm going to come and I'm going to be a part of the community that's already been established. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for me to come and change stuff. There's no reason for me to complain about, hey, this should be here or that should be here. And I think that's part of what happens when you move into a new community. And I think that with gentrification, that thought process is not always reflected in itself. It's just, okay, I'm going to come and I want this and I need this. And these are the types of places that are. But as the rent gets um, raised or increases, there's only certain people who can afford that type of rent and they're coming with their own visions Mm -hmm. to fit a specific type of like, who's going to be paying $16 for mayonnaise. Yeah. Like almost nobody. So that's aimed for a specific sense. And they know that, Hey, I have a group of people who will be coming and buying $16 jars of mayonnaise. I'm going to make my overhead. I'm going to make my rent payments or my um, lease payments or whatever. And I'll still be able to make a profit. Yeah. So, I think that's part of, you know, how neighborhoods changes. Um, as far as my work community goes, it's I'm I'm a minority <laughs> in my workspace. I think that even in my profession, I'm a minority. 
Um, so that is something that, you know, you just deal with and you go and you be part of the community as best as you can. Well, whether they accept you, that's another story. I have a question for yes. you. So how do you, like, I've lived in the same neighborhood my whole life, but how has each community that you've lived in, how do you think that it's affected you as a person? I, honestly, it, it brings different culture into my life. And that's the same thing that we're talking about is it's given me like when you live in one place and I'm not saying that this applies to you or anybody in particular. He's about to attack me right now. No, no. I think you you get that culture and that's the culture that follows you. And you don't really have the opportunities to really experience other cultures unless you're part of another community in a sense. Whether the community be your friends who are from a different culture and introduce you to that culture. So when you move around to different places and you live amongst the people who live in a in the community, then you are introduced to the culture. When you go to the store and they have different items that you may not have ever seen before, um, that different products, different product lines that you may not have seen before, it helps to add to the understanding that, okay, this is how it is. Let me try some of this. Oh, my God, this was amazing. Let me add this to my kitchen. Let me add this to my um, my recipes, whatever it might be, so that way you had. And I know I'm just focusing on food, but there's a lot. No, but there's music thing. I would probably would have never been introduced if people weren't outside playing it really loudly. But, but you heard it. <laughs> I heard it, and I go, okay, that sounds like a banger. I might need to incorporate that in some way, whether it's in my personal listening, whether it's in my extracurricular work, whatever it might be. So that's something that I really am thinking about and being able to take some of the culture. Now, I'm not saying appropriate the culture. I'm not saying steal it and claim it for your own. I'm not saying use aspects of it. But what I'm saying is appreciating the culture, um, being part of it when it's available to you. I know one of the biggest things, like um, maybe like 10 years ago, all of the bodegas or a um, majority of the bodegas where I live, they stopped th being owned by um, by Dominicans. And a, lo a lot of them started being owned by um, Muslim people. And so for a long time, you couldn't get bacon in a lot of those bodegas. And then we, that's when you saw like the shift from a bodega to a deli to a, or like a deli grocery well, like store. Like a gourmet deli now. Um. Well, no, they're not gourmet, but they are delis. Um. And it's it was very interesting. And then there was like a big pushback where um because you know a lot of the this when they were uh Spanish owned, you were able to get certain meats and certain things that were from um. Yeah. Spanish islands. Sometimes you have to search for certain items, certain spices, certain seasonings that yeah. you might want, depending on the neighborhood that you live in. And now you can see, like, now a lot of those delis, now they have a mix of, um, like, I'm guessing they're, like, traditional where, pe like, where Muslim people live because if there are things I never have seen before. And it, there's not, you know, like, you see, like, Korean grocery stores where you, you're like, okay, this is, you know, what, what, those people kind of, what those people eat. But now I see, like, you have a mixture of, like, Spanish meats or like how they're spiced um, and, you know, different like things from Muslim culture. It's very interesting how it's all come together. To talk about New York City in a way that for people who may not live here, I know we got some international fans. Still shout out to you. We really appreciate you. Um, <laughs> New York City is a collection of neighborhoods. 
don't know where that came from. That was the blooper. <laughs> it's a collection of neighborhoods in which you can basically find anything that you're looking for or need, but you may have to travel for it. Yeah, you have to. A lot of times, you have to go to um, like an ethnic enclave to find very what, specific yeah. places for very specific people to buy very specific things. Yes, and you know, it's just what we've come to accept. The good thing is because New York is so diverse and vast, you are able to go to these very specific places to find the very specific ingredients that you need. Um, sometimes it's not as easy depending on the neighborhood you live in. Like I'm Jamaican. In my neighborhood, there isn't very consistent West Indian food. Mm -hmm. There's not like I can't just go out and just get jerk chicken or get some oxtail and really enjoy it without it being influenced in a way. Not not the way that I'm looking for, but it could be influenced in a way that, you know, would use different spices, different seasonings that I just specifically am not searching for at the moment. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just you have this hankering for a very specific thing at times and when you go get it it's like ah like you want to say it's like home and you're like oh this is fusion yes. and so it's it has like spices from another culture and you're like this is not the same and fusing is starting to be a big thing that's coming up especially with the gentrification it's like they're aiming for a specific set of people the new people that are moving in but also trying to mix many different cultures many different types of food into one menu and one yeah, in my neighborhood, there is a Jamaican and Japanese fusion restaurant. And some of the things you're like, these things do not go together. Like, Are they good? Absol- no, oh. absolutely. No, <laughs> absolutely. No one wants like pickled onions and pickled tomatoes and like chimichurri with jerk chicken. Who the fuck told you that tasted good? A liar. Wait, Jimmy- chimichurri is Japanese? Oh, no, that's one of the things they have. They have like the pickled things and it'll be like, um, like one plate I had, it was katsu fried chicken but it was jerk chicken fried like and i'm like so it's jerk chicken fried with katsu seasoning or oh, katsu was, breading it was, yeah it was made to look like katsu chicken and it had rice and it had the like the pickled onions and i think it's pickled tomatoes but it was like it had the jerk sauce and i was like now who told you this was good and then you know when you ordered on <laughs> uber it says jerk chicken and i'm like so you fucking lied to me yeah i think and this also is nasty. uh just as a heads up whether you live in New York City or not, there's a lot of ghost kitchens. Now, if you don't know what a ghost kitchen is, a ghost kitchen is some somebody or someone, some entity who puts their menu up on Google Classroom. Google Classroom. Google Classroom. He's what been at the work hell? Too long. <laughs> they put their. Oh, let me start that from the beginning. They put their menus on Uber Eats, on Seamless, on Grubhub, on Postmates, on all the delivery type services that are available. And it's really just somebody who's cooking out of their kitchen, out of a location, whatever it may be. I have seen storefronts really um, work to get a bunch of different stores or have a bunch of different entities under one uh, address. So there'd be like a storefront and it has like eight different types of foods at different places that you can only order online because one, it keeps their overhead down. And all they have to do is just open the kitchen and cook whatever whatever menus meals are there i don't know if it's a group of 10 people i don't know if it's two people but this is what ghost kitchens are doing so maybe somebody is like hey one day i got high (laughs) i had some katsu jerk chicken i thought it was a great idea my friends loved it we were high so we gonna make it and sell it to people like there's some things like when they put um like they make it like they have like sushi rolls and it's just like i don't know if they're still open though but 
they have like sushi rolls and like that I can understand because sushi in itself already has different types of meats in it. But like it's like some of that it's like who fucking told you to do this? Like and it's like you're trying to be palatable to so many people that you're like ruining the initial dish. It's like just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So when we look at society, when we look at community and when we look at culture, we have to look at what is needed in order for all of these things to go together or somebody to feel like they fit into these different aspects. Society is the the basically the larger area at whole. And then we we zoom into the community and then we zoom into the culture of that community. And that culture could be along ethnic lines, along racial lines, uh, along traditions, along many different ways in which the culture is being observed and acknowledged. But there are a lot of social needs that is needed in order for people to feel a part of it. And one of the things Nodi and I definitely discussed when we were doing this research in order to get this is one of the biggest social needs is safety people need to feel safe they need to feel like they can participate in any activities within their within society within their community and whatever the culture of that community and the more they feel safe the more they're able to really be adequate members successful members in that society, in that community, amongst that culture. Yes, I felt like, and I also feel like you should feel safest in your own community or in the communities that you travel the most to. Like, you should feel safe in your work community and in your, like, neighborhood community because that's where you are the most. I find it very odd when people are moving into new communities where they don't feel safe. It's like, why would you? You could have picked anywhere to move. Yeah, I don't even, understand that either. Even if it has to do with, like, a... a price range you can have moved to us like a, a neighborhood a different neighborhood where you felt safe in your price range so you know because i can't imagine being home and just feeling unsafe where i am yeah and and i know that you know sometimes you get a deal and you're like wow this is but i also heard people who were like wow i moved to this neighborhood but i'm really concerned for this or this aspect or this or the people if you're afraid of the people who may live in your neighborhood, you might have chose to live in the wrong neighborhood. Now, yes. I understand there are some circumstances where you may not afford to be able to live in a certain type of neighborhood, but is it really as bad as you think? Do you live above a gun store? Are they performing all types of illegal activities within that gun store? When you go outside, will you get stabbed? That might be a reality for people. Let me not yeah. make it too real. But what I'm saying is, Safety is what is needed. And when you don't have that safety or don't feel safe, it's hard to be a member or feel like a, a, a successful member within a community. But a lo- amongst safety, love and affection is something that's needed. And that doesn't mean that it has to come from the neighborhood. It doesn't mean that you go outside and they just shower you with praise. Like, oh, my God, you look good. Some of you may get that. <laughs> Some of you may get that even if you don't want it. <laughs> yeah. But being catcalled is not is the opposite of safety. That's definitely the opposite of safety. But I do think like like what you're saying, like it doesn't have to come from like the people in your neighborhood. But it, that's why when we're saying like your coworkers or the community that you create in other places around you, that's also part of your immediate society. And New York City doesn't have the most loving and affectionate community. But when you feel like your neighbors will look out for you, you feel like the people in your on your block, in your building, 
know know who you are and would you know greet you just you just feel it helps to build that safety it helps to feel build that not love but more like a familiar cooperation it, feel, it helps to build teamwork and mm-hmm. like okay we're all in this together we live here you may grow to love your neighbors you may grow to respect your neighbors but it's something that just helps everybody feel more connected to the community and more connected in general yeah like me and teach we live in very different kinds of buildings so he could actually know all of his neighbors there are over a thousand apartments where i live in the one building and i live in a complex so i know the people on my floor most definitely and there's some other neighbors that i've known my whole life like where i've become friends with um you know but you don't you really can't know everybody you might recognize people but um Definitely, like, the neighbors on my floor, we're, like, super tight. We pick up people's packages, you know. Everybody says hello. We're on, like, a first-name basis, um, especially on my side of the floor. Yeah, and, so that, and that helps. That it's important. And it helps to build that that community. And I think that's part of what is needed in for the human condition, for people individually and collectively in a community to really make decisions between that life when you're born and that inevitable death. Mm-hmm. So it's what are the choices and how does that help? One thing that I will say is Nordy and I do this a lot. We use wit and humor as a way to deal with the dark, tense, and absurd absurdities of life. We do. And it's wit, humor is really something that's very, very important. And and it doesn't just have to be dealing with life overall in general because life can be really easy or simple or life can be extremely difficult and tough. And we all have good days and we all have bad days. But what are we going to do in order to help us get through all of those moments? Now, yes, wit and humor is one thing you could do, but it doesn't mean that it's always the only thing that you can do. Yeah, you know, but we're funny. So that's what we do. So when we talk about not being able to um, have or need to use wit and humor, Let's talk about control and the things that we can control and things we possibly can't control. So control, the definition that we want to focus on is the things we can control in our lives versus the things we cannot control. And one thing that we have to really consider when we talk about control are the obstacles. And the obstacles are the quality of life, the infrastructure, the resources, the stability, the financial Um, things that could possibly help to slow you up. We also have to look at time and the concept of time and the relationship, relationships that we have. All of these can be obstacles in our lives. And it helps to control what we can can and cannot control. So, yeah, when we were talking about this, when um, we were making the outline, quality of life was something that, you know, we went um, back and forth on because, Quality of life can describe so many different things. Quality of life, you know, can be dependent on um, your race or ethnicity. It can be dependent on um, very much eco- so. Yeah, uh, your economic status, and you know, it can um, cascade. You know, if you don't have certain resources, like your quality of life can ca- uh, can cascade into something poor and poorer. Or if you do have these resources, resources, it can cascade the other way. So that was something that we talked that we were going back and forth on because um, initially that's how I thought of it and teach thought of it like the quality of your life being like the, I don't want to say like how good it is, but he was 
um, describing it like the way that we manage things, the way that we, um, how, what we can control, how we use that to create the best quality of, quality of life that we can. Yeah. yeah, but I think that Nordy is right when we look at it from the resources perspective, because when you are born, and that, like we said, is going to be one of the inevitables, you could be born in a situation where you have very little to no resources. That will affect your quality of life. But if you're born and you're born into a, a family, a society, a community, a culture that has abundance of resources, then you're able to do a lot more. So if we even look at it and on a, on a, a, a bigger scale, to be born in a, a place that might have be recovering from war, might be in the middle of war, might have violence, being having limited resources there changes your quality of life. But then you can have limited resources in another place that might be more developed, might have more resources available. You or your family may not have that resources, but your quality of life may still be different. There might be things that you're allowed to do in one place that you may not be allowed to do with other, even with limited resources. So looking at it from the, the, the aspect of resources is really the right way to look at it. Well, I don't want to say that, but... I think so. I think I mean, when we had this discussion, yeah. But, I, but when we get into the things that you can control and how you manage to make to get through the good and bad days and to continue to have, and have, to have more good days, it's just a different lens. But like you're saying, like resources can, can determine just like a, a lot of your path. If you if you live in a impoverished neighborhood, housing, medical care, all those things will um, ultimately it can lead you down. Your quality of life will will not be as great as someone who was in like a maybe a well, it was in a better neighborhood and even a cleaner neighborhood. All these all those things, you know, they add up. You can, you can have heart problems. You can have, you know. Yeah, you can have asthma because the pollution. Mm -hmm. You can um, have different pulmonary issues, mm -hmm. developmental issues, just simply because of where you live. They may literally develop literally around where you live that will put your health and your safety at risk. So those are the things that we we wanted to look at when we were having this discussion. Even like living in New York City with all the construction, even if you can be in uh, you can be in a good or a bad neighborhood. And just the fact that you have to go around all that construction um, lowers your quality of life because that's the out, outside construction. And when they have the dumping places outside in the street, mm -hmm. that is just bad for your uh, pulmonary system, just that in itself. And, you know, going to the train, now they are doing more work on the train and they're having to clean it more because of the pandemic. But even still, it's a, it's a lot of recycled air and some people are on it for long periods of time yep. and you having to do it every single day. Yep. That does that does change your quality of life. Just just like that. And like the simple things that people have to do just to, you know, and the one to the, city. the one thing that really doesn't get discussed when we talk about construction are the rats. The rats are present in New York City, but around construction sites, they are heavy. They're there, they're outside, they're looking for any bit of Yes. food, whatever they might be looking for at that time, and they are in construction sites heavy. And when they're having construction sites there, because it's a place that brings them, then they start to scatter to other places because they're like, okay, there's nothing yeah. for us here. Let's go find what we need. Part of it is that the rats go to the construction places because it's easier to burrow and easier to mm -hmm. hide. But the other part of that is of that is that um, there probably were already rats there, 
So then as they continue the construction, they get more, like you said, more and more displaced. So it's like they were there, then they left, they're coming back. Because um, as Furman, they leave stuff in the ground to go back to. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's like 9-11, you know, because we're talking about heavy topics. Um, <laughs> being there myself, you know, there were so many rats just running when the, like, and you people talk about that. Like, they, I don't know, I know people have, like, home videos and stuff, and it's, like, disgusting seeing all those rats, you know, r- they're running alongside the people because if you think, that, if you haven't seen it, um, it took up a lot of space downtown, and it was office buildings, so you know that in itself, offices, they all have rats, they all have whatever. Yeah, New York, there's rats. Rats, there's there's roaches, they're Period. there. So it, so many of them were running out, and even in the surrounding buildings, because dust was going into them, they were running from all these different places. It was incredibly disgusting. So, yeah. So these are the things that we have to look at and think about when we're talking about control of your life. Things you can control and things you can't under the lens of the obstacles. And one of the obstacles are the quality of life, which is the resources. So I guess we have to look at what we can control in our lives. And when we look at what we can control in our lives, there's a lot that we possibly can control. We could control with resources where we live, how we live, the things we eat, where we can find. And I'm, and I'm sorry, and I should be more specific. We're thinking of developed places, places in which you can easily find the things that you need. There are many places still in this world that you have to search, you have to hunt, you have to possibly go and find to get your meal. But I'm thinking of the places in which you can go to a store and there are stores available and you have the money and you have the ability and the resources to move to places and find suitable um, la- places for you to live. And, and even um, like people look at New York City as being um, like this very great and fantastic place. And it's almost it's it's really a facade because there are a lot of places in in New York City that are food deserts because like we were talking for about, real like we were talking about delis but um if you if there's a certain amount of delis in a neighborhood they won't have a supermarket so not at all you know and while the deli you can get you know um like you sorry you can get like deli meats you can get like basic necessities and you know a lot of times they'll still have like pampers they might have clothes as well um like t-shirts and things like that um, it's not a it's not a supermarket. And a supermarket, um, even if they have a range of food from, you know, that might not be the best cut to the best cut, they have it there. Supermarkets will have organic food. Delis don't have organic food. They don't they don't have the capability to really sell those things. So you are in a neighborhood where, you know, you can get deli meats and you can get chips and milk and, and bread. And that's it. And that's what you're going to have to live on consistently because that's all that's around you. Or you have to be able to travel You maybe a, an hour on the train, you know, just to get to the, a grocery store that has better food. And, or, um, and then you have to travel back with it. And a lot of people can't do that just because it's, um, it's, it's I, I don't want to say it's not logical, but it's, it's hard to manage all those things. And then you have to go to another neighborhood to get this better food you might not be able to get all you all you need, you know, for your family because it's at a at a price that you might not be able to afford. There's a lot of things about the quality of life 
that New York City makes hard for a lot of people. Yeah. When we look at the things that we can control, we have to look at how obstacles affect that. So obstacles are the things that make some things more difficult for us to control. And obstacles can range just like all the things we just talked about, about living in New York City. Obstacles can be your mood. Your mood, you, you, you could be able to control, but there might be factors or obstacles that will make your, it hard for you to um, control your mood. So we're looking at how do we overcome or fail to overcome obstacles. And this is the key, the, the, the bits that's really going to tie into growth. Because if we are not focused on our obstacles, then we are not really looking at how we can grow in a sense. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, obstacles, you know, they can either push you out of your shell, they can, you know, kind of force you to grow and to develop more as a person. Like, we always talk about introspection and some of these obstacles, like, they can really push you to think about yourself and to and to say and to, and to work on yourself. Or they can push you further into your shell where you might just, you know, you might back away from everything. So that is the, you know, that's the thing about life. You know, it's either going to help you grow or it might scare you so much that you become stagnant. And we see that and that really affects the in-between, the human condition, the things that happen, the things that we can control, the things we can't control, the obstacles. All of that will determine our quality of life. It will determine how we are able to live and fulfill, uh, have a fulfilling life. And when we look at it, obstacles can be a big thing. And obstacles can be physical. It can be mental. It can be financial. It could be, when I say mental, it could be mental in which we may not believe in ourselves enough, which, which then we retract into our shells. Or it could be some form of disorder, disability, some illness that really may help to affect how and the things we can control. You said that perfectly. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, you like you said it. You, that was it. You said it. So when we look at it, we have to look at obstacles as do they set us back or does it just prolong the journey of growth? And we want to keep that in mind because those are the things that would really help to make the growth and the change happen. I do think that that is part of the, your perspective. Um, if do you think that all these challenges, like, do you think you have a whole, like, a series of challenges? Or is this one long obstacle that you have to get, get through to get, you know, to get to whatever your, your end goal is? You know, that, that's all I think, all how you see it. Yeah, if you're able to compartmentalize and break it down into bits, bits and pieces, some say, might say that it helps. Because then you could say, okay, I want to address these particular obstacles that may may be something that is immediate. It may be something that I feel. And we have to keep in mind that the way you feel is valid and it's important. But if you are recognizing that it's not, it's an obstacle, you have to do something about that as well. That reminds me of your list. Uh-oh. Your, no, you know, your, I wish you, it's usually right in front of him. It's your list that are, it's like, should I have to do hard shit? Oh, yeah, shit? yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit I got to do, yeah. It's some shit it, that. It's broken down into into three areas. There's a there's a big section. It's like shit that you can easily get done. Then there's a smaller, there's two smaller sections. One is like things I have to, it's like 
medium level, like this, these are a little bit harder, then it's like the hardest shit you got to do. And it, uh, it's, it's a very cute list. Yeah, you, you break it down into stuff. And I think making lists can be helpful for people in which you say, okay, these are the things I can know I can knock out easily. This is the shit that might take a little work, but this is the shit that is, might be the start of a project. It might be the, okay, this is going to lead into something else. Mm -hmm. So let's use that to lead into growth and change. So when we talk about growth, we're going off of the definition that growth is the belief that one must continue to improve to avoid mediocrity and decline. Growth is doing what we can, can to be the best version of ourselves. And that means taking all of the steps that we might need to so that way we don't feel like we're living a repeated cycle over and over. I'm waking up, I'm doing the same shit, I'm going to sleep, and I'm repeating and doing it again. I don't feel like I'm on the decline in life. Like, I can't look up and say, okay, I'm stuck. Or there is no up. There is no wait place to go from here. And that's when we must continue to make improvements. Um, we can tell when people aren't growing or learning from their experiences. If somebody's coming up to you and saying, hey, I have this problem, and then they come up to you two weeks later and they still have the same problem, or they're making choices that continuously allows them, hey, I, I'm late on the rent, but I was just out with you yesterday and you spent all your rent it's money. It's like the, the people who, like your friend who keeps complaining about their partner, but they keep, it's like, I don't know what you want me to tell you, and it's like at a certain point, you're like, I don't even want to hear it anymore because no matter what I say, no matter if I give you advice, if I listen, ultimately you go back. Like you're like that person is just not learning from the situation. Even and at it's all. Like you can. And I understand like people want to be hopeful when it comes to romantic relationships, when it comes to relationships in general, actually, people are hopeful that things will work out for the best. But there's being hopeful and learning and saying like, you know, I have to step away. I have to do this. Hopefully, it, you know, we rekindle it. And then there's also like acknowledging that it's cyclical and just staying in the same place. I think we all have those friends who date the same type of person, but they just have different names. Men and women in which they're dating the same individual, just that they're, they have different names. Mm -hmm. They're looking and seeking for the same type of person who gives them or has the same sets of problems continuously and you hear about it over and over it's this person it's person a then person b then person c then person yeah. d and they're repeating the same things and it's not that they're asking for this it's just that they're choosing and making the call to make the choice of having and dating the same type of individual and they might be trying to fulfill a need that they that wasn't met before so they keep dating the same kind of person but it's like you're you're doing the same thing. You just you're never. It's an insanity. Doing or, the same thing, but you're not learning. Yeah. Or they come into the perspective of okay, I dated this type of person, and I'm gonna date the same per person, but it's going to be different. Yeah. I now have more experience. That's, I have more knowledge, but it ends up being the same exact way because in in order for it to grow in in those types of situations, everybody must be committed to their own growth. And if they're not, if you're especially if you're growing and you're making progress and you're with somebody who is kind of stagnant or just on the decline or feeling like they're on the decline or not moving, it, it really puts a huge strain on the relationship. It, if, if you've ever seen Insecure, uh, Issa and Lawrence, that first season, oh <laughs> that first season when Lawrence was 
working on, on his couch, business yeah. plan and he really wasn't, you know, he wasn't applying for jobs at, at, le- at least at, at, at a certain point in the first season, he did go to a headhunter. But like when we first met his character, he was home every day. He was in the same clothes. Issa was going out to work. She was focused on. We got becoming, y'all. Yeah, she was focused on becoming a better, a better person. She was focused on just. She didn't necessarily know what she wanted, but she knew she wanted more. So she knew that she had to switch it up to get there. And Lawrence was like, "I don't want to." Like he didn't. He didn't want to rock the boat because he didn't know what was going to happen. So he was a person who was stagnant, and she was a person that. She didn't necessarily know where she was going, but she was on the move. And that's why they had broken up because they were just a big difference in, you know, in in how they were moving and how they were growing. And we've seen the growth from the big season one all the way to the finale. But to bring it back to growth, mm-hmm. growth essentially is a lack of change. A lack of change shows a lack of self-awareness. And we're going to keep that in mind as we ha- continue to have this discussion. So I guess... The question that we're going to start with is, is there a time when you stop growing or is it an active choice to not grow? Now, this is a hard question because I don't I'm not saying and I'm just going to go by the belief that everybody wants the best for themselves. I don't think people are making an active choice to not grow. I think there are obstacles and feelings and lack of resources. All of this plays into the growth. You look like you got something you want to say. <laughs> so I think that people do make a choice to stop growing, um, at, at least when it comes to certain aspects. You know when people say, oh, you know, they're this age, they are who they are. No, they're choosing yeah, we to hear be that, that, that way. True, they're true, choosing true. To, to not listen, to not grow. Like last night, we had a conversation with the man who got it, who's in his like mid-fucking-30s, Right who did not want to listen, we were, oh, we were actually talking about society. He didn't want to listen to, like, what the definition of society was. So he just kept saying the wrong shit over and over and over. Like, you're saying this, and he didn't even realize that he was saying the same thing repeatedly, just with, um, what is it called? Not different. But he was saying the same thing repeatedly, but, like, in different variations. And I'm like, you don't. You don't understand? I had to tag teaching because I was like, this man is stupid and I cannot, I just couldn't anymore. But like, that was the person that it was like, you're committed to like, to what you're saying and you don't want to learn, you don't want to grow. That was a choice. You know, when you tell someone like, it's like when you sometimes when you speak to like older people or it can be someone, it doesn't necessarily be older people, but like, and you tell someone like your boundary and they're like, no, you and they like gaslight you like you're choosing to stay and to stick with that opinion you're not you're not you're choosing not to listen you're choosing not to grow and to learn from what someone is telling you yeah and i, I definitely hear you and i'm not saying you're wrong but i want me i just want to go on the belief that i don't think people are actively choosing i do agree with everything you said because we hear this in our experiences we see this they're too old they come from a different time. They come from a different place. They come from a different era. They are not able to grow or to change as the society, as the community, as the culture around them changes. Mm-hmm. And yes, I agree. And yes, a lot can be said that it's an active choice. I just want to try to believe. And I'm not saying that this is right. 
this is just a hopeful sense he of wants thinking. To be hopeful, and I'm gonna let you be hopeful, and I hope that you're right. I, I'm no, I'm not. I don't know. I don't. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm. I know you're. You not are me right. That I'm wrong. I know. I know. I know. You're. You're saying that I got some valid points, but I would like to think that people can grow and that it's not an active choice. That it's a lack of understanding, but like when it comes to things like boundaries, and you repeat yourself a certain amount of times. That's the active choice not to listen. True. But I also think that could be the obstacles in their life or in their way that's causing them to. Some people just want to be right. Some people just want to argue. And some people. And I think that that's what I'm, I'm saying. I don't think it's a choice. Everything you said was right. There are people who don't want to change and they are making the choice. I'm just trying to argue the opposite of Therapist I don't want to believe. Been broken. I He's don't. Been, I broke. Him. I'm not broken. I just am trying to. I want you to know when he said his whole bit, he was sitting up straight. Now his shoulders are hunched. He's, I, I broke him. My shoulders are not hunched. I'm just leaning uh-huh. more forward into mm-hmm. the microphone. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Okay. I really wish there was a video so right I now. Think, I think, oh, man, we're getting to that time. Um, let, let's, let's finish growth, and then let's figure out where we are at the end of this discussion, and then we can figure out if we're going to continue introspection, or do we have to save it for part two? Okay. Can, can somebody be fulfilled? While being stagnant. That I, I, I don't I don't think so. I think um you can I think that if you are stagnant, that means like you're not like there's like just no growth. I think that it might look to some people like being content, but being content doesn't make mean a lack of growth. I in 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 my own definition, I would say that being stagnant is um, like when, like when people say like they're stuck, like you know, like you know, they're stuck in this moment. They're stuck in this obstacle, whether it be um emotional or financial or otherwise. They are stuck exactly where they are, and like there's, they want a change, but they just cannot. They don't know how to make that change. I think that's what stagnant is. I think like people might confuse it with being content because they are doing the same things every day, but um, monotony or repetition doesn't mean that you're not, like, growing. Like, your job might be a nine-to-five, you're doing the same thing every day, but you're outside of work, you are growing. Or you're going to the same job nine-to-five every day, but you are um, doing different work, you're getting promoted, it's just the same place and the same job, you know? Yeah, and I agree. I think, though, no, no, it's it's again, this is probably (laughs) therapist poppy in me where I think that you can be fulfilled while being stagnant, but only for a short amount of time. So let's say you've done work and you've made growth. And from year to year, let's say in 2017, you were one type of way. But in 2020. Let me pause on that. 2019, Uh (laughs) before everything went a little crazy. In 2019, you may have made tremendous strides from 2017. Mm-hmm. So you can see your, the difference and the change from what you could have been or what you were going through to where you are now. But you're stagnant for that time. I think you could be fulfilled when you look back and say, wow, I've made a lot of growth. But, so where are they being stagnant? But, I mean, just stagnant because they're not making growth at that point or that moment or that stretch. But I don't think you can remain stagnant for too, too long before you start that fulfillment starts to go away. I think how I would describe what you're saying is um 
not being stagnant, but it's like uh, taking pause. And I think I think when I think of being stagnant, it's something that is long, or at least it could be it it, it feels long. Where taking a pause is purposeful. I think yes, but because to me that sounds like you're talking about um, like you're not changing right now, but you're reflecting back. That's like I'm taking pause and I'm and you're being f- introspective. And you're being fulfilled for that moment. But yeah. that fulfillment isn't going to last if you're not making growth. I think it's part of human beings and human life and the human condition. If this oh, was a movie, it would have just ended right there. You would have looked into the camera and said, and <laughs> the human condition. It, it's all about the growth that's made. You, In order for you to really, really, really have a grasp on the human condition, the in-between life and death, it's about making growth and progress. And when you stop making growth and progne- progress, you're stagnant. There's really just stagnant and you don't want that and you don't want to be that way and i think that that is part of what we're looking at and we're discussing so we have to wrap this up because we're running out of time we're trying to keep we, we have a time limit that we want to keep our podcast you've noticed, you know. yes you have noticed it's been roughly around certain times so just to recap this real quick we started off by talking about the human condition and giving you a definition go back and look at and, and hear that again if you need to we talked about society as a whole, and then we zoomed into that to the community. Then we zoomed into that in the culture within that community and all of the social needs that are needed for that for you as an individual to really feel and people within that community to feel accepted, to feel like they're thriving. We talked about control, having control over life, the things you can and the things you can't. The one of the things we talked about as a big uh, hindrance to that is are the obstacles that we may face in life both internally and externally we talked about the growth and the change that we need to have in order to do it and then we stopped there <laughs> what a beautiful synopsis yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting pretty good at this podcast uh, stuff. well that's debatable oh 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 damn the shots <laughs> the shots Next I was all happy be, and smile. My whole smile just... It was, it, it's going to be naughty on somebody else. No, I'm kidding. Oh, oh shit. No. What the flip? <laughs> I mean, you never know. I mean, you no, never know. I admitted that I would kick somebody down the stairs for you. I, I can't... I can't. As a friend, that don't mean you need me as a podcaster. No. That's, you know, that's more than friendship. No, no, nah, nah, it's love here. We, 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 we're not, we're not going to break up before we, we, we get started. <laughs> They're like, oh, my God, we're going to see think pieces. Is there trouble in paradise with Naughty and the Teach? No, no, it's not like that. We're just fucking with each other. Part of talking paradise. shit is you talk shit to everyone. Yeah. And that's what we I do. Mean, we talk that shit. A big part of our friendship is that we roast each other. I don't think if yeah. we didn't have mostly that, her roasting me. we would have nothing. Yeah. That, no, he is because he comes in with the, the big zingers and then he goes back. And I'd be like, nah, see, now I got to roast you 10 times. But at one comment, no, I got to have 10 liners. You just got to load up, load up one. It's like the, the big knockout punch you're attempting to do. Um, all right, so let's go into our final segment. And as we know, it's Teach's favorite, Naughty and the Teach Recommends. So, Bold. Yeah, that's what's the name. That's the name of but the no, segment. But you said you said teacher's favorite, not like oh, yeah. my All right. favorite. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Naughty, is it your favorite? It's not my favorite. Okay, so <laughs> the teacher's favorite. But you could have said my favorite. They know who you are. Okay, it's, it's oh yeah, be good. I'm sorry. He's looking the at the time, favorite. talking about shut the fuck up. Hurry um, up. Okay. <laughs> so, him, um, him. start off. What is, what would do you recommend this week? 
I would recommend um, the book But Not Buddy by Christopher Paul Curtis. It's one of my favorite books. Um, I've recently reread it, and, you know, it's a story about um, a boy named Bud, not Buddy, and um, it starts off with he's with his mother and his mother passes, and um, so then he gets put in the orphanage, and it's about his journey trying to find his father and really trying to find himself. Um, it takes place in the um, early 20th century, so just the way that uh, kids are able to function was different, but um, it's very meaningful in the book um, how he like how he does how he takes his journey and the people he comes across. It's a very beautiful story um, about family, about yourself, um, and it's also a, like there is a lot of like a there's a commentary about just black culture within the book that I enjoyed because um, the author said a lot of things that people don't talk about. He brought up a lot of good points about. Um, the maturity that black people and black boys in, in this um, instance have to take on um, at a young age. So that's one of the things I love about that book. It's something that from when the first time I read it, almost 20 years ago, that it stuck with me and why I keep reading the book. Yeah. So shout out to Nordy giving a book recommendation. I yes, mean, she's going to do it. She's going to do that a lot. I'm just fucking. No, he thinks I'm illiterate. It's okay. My recommendation <laughs> is going to be a little bit atypical. My recommendation isn't really a book or is it a, a show or movie or anything. It's something I'm going to ask you all to do. Oh my God. I think for this week, I recommend that you get in contact with somebody that you haven't. Reach out to somebody. See how they're doing. Not, not the ex that... That was I'm, toxic or the friend that was toxic. A good person. Yes. Yeah. Somebody. Normalize saying I love you to people that you love. Because sometimes, especially in certain communities, from certain when you are raised by certain people from certain generations, that might not be a thing. This is not um, Naughty and Teach Recommends. It's Naughty and Therapist Poppy Recommends. Uh, I'm still the teach. <laughs> I just put on my Therapist Poppy hat some. So challenges somebody who you might have fall, fallen out of communication with. It's a new year. It's 2022. Reach out to people. We've all been through a very eventful past two years. Um, so let's reach out to somebody. Normalize saying I love you to somebody. Even if you reach out to somebody and say I love you, try to do it to two people, three people, three people, three different people you may not have that you've had good relationships you just might have felt fallen out of touch with. Reach out to them and say I love you. Or, or just see how they're doing. Yeah, you don't got to, you know. Just check in. It, that, it, it's nice to be nice. Um, so which leads us to uh, our final thing that we want to do before we end the segment. And after our moment of silence for these uh, pioneers that we lost, we're going to wrap it up. Is Bob Saget a pioneer? Uh, he was America's dad. And, you know, in many ways. Uh, all right. He was certain people in America's dad. Because I'm going to say they said Bill Cosby was America's dad, too. Well, he was certain people's dad. You see what I'm oh, saying? Okay, yeah, I feel you. I feel um, you. and I think Bill was a little bit before Bob because I think yes. know, the Cosby Show came out before Full House. So I just want to take a moment and acknowledge the three comedians and uh, extraordinary talents. The first being Her Highness, one of the all-time greats, Betty White, passed away on right before hundredth birthday to live to be almost a hundred. 
whew, we would be so lucky. And not only to live to be 100, but to live at a high level and to be great and consistently, you know, I, I, I think she was unproblematic. I really hope that she was unproblematic, but uh-oh, that face. It's just I think it's kind of funny that um, like maybe a week or so before she died, she said that she lived so <laughs> long because she didn't eat greens. And then like right after that came out. Oh, well, the green industry poisoned her. That's <laughs> what happened. Big said, greens. <laughs> big said, greens got to her. We done spent so much money fucking giving Popeye's food. You gonna say don't eat the greens? Big That's vegetable it. <laughs> got to her. <laughs> like, oh, you're ruining our business. <laughs> letting them know not to eat greens. It's a long. Um, another person that we lost was Bob Saget. Um, he passed away also. Um, reports came out that he might have just passed in his sleep. Um, reasons still to be determined, but... Unfortunately, st- it's out of, a con- our, out of our control because he could have... Pa- it seems right now that he passed naturally. Sometimes your heart just stops. You know, brain just is like, I'm good. You know? Yeah. It did seem like it ended on a high note, you know, being drug-free, going back on tour. And he had... and he had posted that he had a great show. So, you know, he could have been like Obi-Wan and just <laughs> went to the visceral plane. Yeah. And uh, black pioneer, black excellence, black, because of him, a lot of people were able to, Cindy Portier. Um, even us having this opportunity now can probably be traced back to the 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 breaking into the industry in the way that he has being one of the first being one that a lot of people can point out and say hey that could be me he was the first representation for many a generation especially him being a dark skinned black man yes it it, it and, and at that time remember we're yes. talking about a time in which america did not see certain people a certain type of way he broke in so we just want to take a moment and Give a moment of silence for Betty White, for Bob Saget, and for Cindy Portier. Thank you for having that moment of silence with us. Um, have a great week. Please reach out to reach out to us on Instagram at, at Naughty in the Teach, at Naughty Flower, and at the Teach NYC. Um, thanks. Have a good week.